Hello, and welcome to Dancing with Disease, a podcast for and about people who move and sway around life with chronic illness. My name is Jerry Ugalde, and I'm the host of this podcast. It's the beginning of March here in Toronto. It is a gorgeous day. It's the kind of day that every Torontonian dreams of, where they can finally open the windows, do a little bit of cleaning around the house, or just sit outside and stare at the sun. Honestly, once I finish here and have some lunch today, that is my plan. It's a Sunday, which means I usually at this point start getting ready, thinking about what the rest of the week looks like. I have a lot of marking to do. But this is our last week before March break, so I think I'm going to give myself a break. And I start early because, drumroll please, I submitted my book to the publisher on Thursday. And what that means is, even though I've submitted it a few times, a couple weeks ago I submitted the final manuscript, not knowing that they were directly going to be laying that into the design format. And so once it came back to me, I saw a PDF of my book and I just, the moment I saw it, I was at school and I saw the email come in, I'm like, don't look because you're in class. So like the second the last kid, like his back is like at the door, I press and I see the proofs and I was like, oh my God, it's my book. So much emotion. And then when I saw the cover and I just, so it's been a beautiful couple of weeks of just looking at this product and just thinking, I'm so close to holding this book in my hands. Last week was a marathon of pulling in some friends to ask them to go through the proofs with me because we had to go through and see if any changes need to be made, any typos, and there were some pretty funny ones in there. Then I had to get that back to the design team so that they could fix them for me. And again, really quick turnaround time. So on Friday, I pressed send, and now the book is going to go to the publisher, the printer, anytime soon. He's, I think they said there's the last step is they just kind of make sure that all the pages are laid out properly. And then it's off. So 10 to 15 business days and I should be able to see the book. And I'm telling you, the process to get here, you know, people talk about the writing part. Because the writing for me was therapy, I didn't have any trouble with the writing part. I would come up to this very room that I'm sitting in right now, which is the top floor of the back of the house. I live on a major street, so there's always the sounds of people going by, cars, and of course the bus. It's funny because the bus is on some kind of like a, I call it a fault line. It's not a fault line here in Toronto, but it shakes the house. So when we first moved in, I said to Richard, I think the house is haunted. And we both laughed because we have this thing with spirits and we're kind of like, what? What's that sound? And it would sound like, you know, some like big, heavy person just walking down the stairs. Clunk, 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 clunk. And we were convinced and we were going to, we were going to ask the owner, we're like, did you know, did your partner your husband die in this house because I think his spirit is roaming the house and well it it wasn't the spirit one night it just was late the boys were asleep and I was sitting in the living room and a bus goes by the second it goes by dunk 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 like no wait for the next bus goes by dunk 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 so in the winter when the house gets cold and I guess the you know cement and asphalt outside they just reverberates through the house I don't think that's a good thing but at least it means house isn't haunted and it means I have to come up to this space back here to get some quiet in the house. So I'd come up here at five o'clock in the morning, way back in 2015, when we figured out that the house wasn't haunted. And I would turn the computer on and just type and type and type. And I was dealing with all of the emotions of the previous five years, all the symptoms, 
all the unknown, the frustration, the sadness. Typing and into the computer became my friend because there were so many times that I didn't feel that I could talk to somebody about this. I didn't have the resources to go to a therapist. I didn't want to go to a therapist. I was too tired. I couldn't run and get things out that way. So I typed. So when I decided to turn this book into a book, that was the hard part. So it wasn't the writing. And I guess it all just goes under the umbrella of writing. It was, how do I put this together? And originally it was going to be a self-help book. So I was going to give tips on dealing with disease and all these things. But the more I read and the more I realized the people that give really good tips are nutritionists and doctors. I'm like, I don't want to go down the food route. I had my own head games when it came to trying to figure out if there was a diet to follow to deal with autoimmune disease. And that took me down a very dark road. And I was like, no, I don't want to talk about food. I want to talk about life. I want to talk about how I did this. And I said, you know what? I've learned the most from memoirs. Let's go with a memoir. So basically the last 18 months of my life around the book have been finding the narrative. How did I want to tell this? And while I do tell it very much beginning to end, there is, you know, there are parts where I highlight different areas of my life, namely motherhood and fitness and teaching. And then a bunch of anecdotes at the end that really didn't have a place. And I was like, well, I could try to weave these into the story or I could give myself a huge break and just put them in as they are as anecdotes, as lessons, as things that I experienced and let people draw their own conclusions. So that's what's taken the longest. And what's taken, what took me really long in the submission phase was getting rid of information. So I brought up people in my life only to highlight how disease made me feel. And they made me feel like some of those very hard relationships made me feel. And my coordinator kept coming back and saying, no, you can't say that. And I said, but it's true. So you can't say, you know, you were abandoned by your father. You can't say your stepdaughter was like this or that. I said, but I, I was, and, and she was. You can't say that. So find an, a different way of saying it or take it out. And I spent a good six weeks trying to soften certain realities. And then I finally one day I just said, screw it. It's all coming out. And, you know, part of me wishes I'd been able to do that sooner. I think I was just so indignant and, and thought, how come I can't share a part of my story? It's mine. This is how it affects me. I'm not saying anything bad about them on purpose. But when you put on the really unbiased glasses and say, you know what, if they can be made to look bad at all, or if it's an invasion of privacy, then maybe it should come out. And ultimately, it's not their story, it's mine. So I took out those parts and again, spent way too long being mad about the fact that I wasn't allowed to talk about my feelings about something. Because honestly, all the good memoirs that we read have a lot of, you know, that nitty gritty, that real life, the honest part about how someone made you feel or what you went through because of somebody's purpose or place in your life. And it's hard. And I didn't want to hide any of that. But at the same time, the memoir is about my journey with disease, not my childhood or teenagehood. So it took a while, but I finally let it go. And I was laughing the other day at the proof stage because when you put in the changes, you can add things. And I said, no, Jerry, let it go. Tell your story because the reason you wanted to do this was to, A, obviously the therapy part for yourself, but most importantly, and every single time I've wanted to put that book away or just say, you know what, this has gone far enough, I'm done. 
I thought about where I was in November 2009, lying in that hospital bed. If somebody had given me a book, but a woman who'd gone through something similar, and just to see all of the living that she had done, I would have leapt at it. So I kept writing the book for where I was 10 years ago. The other day, I was filming a promotional video with a fantastic team at uh, Visionary Media. If you need someone, I can definitely get you a person. He is a fantastic videographer, director, human being, just super authentic and easy to work with and so open to ideas. He knew, he knew exactly what you know image he wanted and we, we went back and forth with this a few times. But he laid the groundwork and said, this is what I think. You know, what do you think about? So it's great when someone sets you up like that because you don't have to come up with all these ideas. He did that groundwork for me and was really open on the day of the shoot to, you know, just different ideas or what if we got a shot of this and that. Uh, and just it'll be one of my memories for sure, one of the nicest memories I have of this process. Also because I was working with someone, a lot of this has been really lonely and hard work. So it was a super great experience. But as he's unpacking his, you know, all of the equipment and the lights and setting things up, I'm like, well, what the heck am I doing? Like, I'm not famous. Why am I getting somebody to videotape me? Like, who am I? And I almost like to be like, I'm sorry, can I pay you for your day? I made a mistake. And then, you know, that voice inside of you that makes you keep going when you don't want to do something, that makes you keep going when you're uncomfortable said, no, you have to stop. You have to stop trying to sabotage yourself. You have to stop not taking yourself seriously. You have to stop thinking that this isn't important because it is. It's not going to, you know, change or, you know, cause world peace. But this project brought me great peace. It's brought my family great peace. And I know for a fact that somebody will read the book and think, wow, if she could do that, so can I. And that's what I want. So this whole project has really been the greatest blessing because it just continued to allow me to remind myself just to keep going. That of course things are gonna be hard and you've gotta push through them. That I can make my own deadlines. And then even as I'm pressing go on the proofs, I let that book go knowing I saw two mistakes and one like quasi mistake. And I had to let it go. I said, Jerry, if you keep pulling it back and redesigning and pulling it back and redesigning, it's going to be weeks because it's never going to be perfect enough. So let's let it go. So there's a dangling hyphen somewhere near the beginning and, you know, a word that should have been pluralized but wasn't. And I had to let it go. I'm thinking of doing some kind of a contest on Instagram once people have the book in their hands to see, you know, first person that finds the mistake gets, I don't know, what are they going to get? Maybe some coffee. Um, and maybe people don't want things. It'll just be a fun little, little find, you know, find the problem, find, find the error. So this weekend has been surreal because it's been the first time in almost two years that I'm not thinking about the book in terms of, oh, I could add this, or maybe that section should go here, or maybe take this all out together. What if I sat down and did a page? What if I, you know, thought about the cover? None of that. The book is on its way to making its way to the world. And I've had a beautiful weekend of just spacing out. It's been gorgeous. Yesterday, Richard and I went for a five kilometer walk. And it was, you know, one of my favorite days for us because it wasn't planned. We just go with the flow kind of a day and just to be able to do that and have the space for that has been just amazing. So one of my goals for this year is to get on here more often. 
I'm using a mic that my son found. They, they take all my microphones for video games. And when I was speaking to Dave at Visionary Media the other day about, about the podcast, I said, my next thing is I have to get a mic. The book was number one priority and that's on its way. Now I want to turn to the podcast because again, I think of where I've gotten the most help in all of the moments of difficulty with disease. And it's been plugging in and listening to people's stories. So I did a lot of reading a memoir, but I did a lot of listening too. And I did a lot of listening to podcasts, anything inspirational, a lot of business stuff really helps because it helps you with goals and, and mindset. So I said, you know, now that the book is moving forward, I want to continue to use this channel to get the message out to people and remind them that they're not alone and remind them that we can do anything we want. Disease is not everything. It's a huge thing. It takes over so much of your life while it's super active and intense and creating new symptoms. But there are times of calm. And in those times of calm, when you can grab hold of your mind and your routines in whatever they look like then, that's when you can create the space to do some really cool stuff. So sure, I couldn't write, sorry, I couldn't run and that hurt. And I cried a lot over that. I couldn't cycle with my friends. That hurt. I cried a lot over that. There were days where I didn't want my children to talk to me because my head hurt so hard. Again, cried a lot over that. But there was so much that I could do. And that's what my highlight is. And that's what I want to focus on. And that's what the book is about. It tells the story. It talks about the hard parts. But it also talks about all the things that I did to pull myself up and pull myself out of that because my life is so much more than a disease. I look forward to sharing the news of what that feels like going out into the world. And when I get the first person to buy one, I will be on here in a couple of weeks, letting you know how the project's going. And of course, I want to hear from you. I want to know what kinds of things you struggle with. What kinds of stories do you want to hear to help you move to the next step wherever you are please reach out my email is jerryugaldecoaching at gmail.com yes i'm considering doing a shorter email but one thing at a time folks i'm here for you i'm here as a resource i'm here as somebody who's been doing this for a decade and this is a huge part of my life and it's very important to me and i've got some great resources and not everyone does so if you need a resource please lean on me Reach out whenever you need. You can follow me on Insta Instagram. I'm there a lot. Facebook, I'm learning to get back on again because, you know, especially my, my mom is on there a lot and she likes finding out about that part of my brain through there. You're not alone. Reach out and we can swap stories and just know that you have someone you can lean on. Thank you for listening. I wish you continued feeling. Bye-bye.